Hello, and welcome to the podcast series, Creditor's Corner Legal Talk, presented by Smith Debnam Attorneys at Law. My name is Lauren Reeves. I'm a partner in the firm's business law section. Before we begin, I want to note the information provided in this podcast does not and is not intended to constitute legal advice. Instead, any and all information shared is for general informational purposes only. Listeners should contact their attorney to obtain advice with respect to any particular legal matter. With that out of the way, let's turn our attention to this week's topic, which is a continuation from last week about the PPP loans. That's right. Part two. Part two, forgiveness. <laughs> the so, Empire Strikes Back. Jean Chanelli yeah. is back. Jean has an LLM in tax law and practices business and tax law in our business law section. Jean, welcome back. Yep. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Let's talk about forgiveness. Yes. Let's talk about forgiveness of PPP loans. Let's go. Okay. So they're forgivable. Yes. Yeah, as we as we talked about in the in the last podcast, we we talked about how the three P loans are loans and not straight up grants. But we did mention the the forgiveness aspect of them. The forgiveness aspect basically is Congress basically telling three P loan recipients, look, if you maintain your payrolls during the emergency period that the coronavirus pandemic has caused, maintain your payroll at the levels that you had before uh, the pandemic hit and kind of weather the storm, we will forgive the 3P loans. We will, in other words, you won't have to pay them back. We talked about the repayment terms and how favorable they are, but they are still at their heart loans. The forgiveness aspect, again, says, you know, is Congress telling businesses, look, if you maintain your payroll levels, ride out the storm, keep your payroll, you know, like it was before the coronavirus pandemic, don't let people go, then we will we will forgive your loan. So basically, in order for a loan to be forgiven, a business has to substantiate that they spent the 3P loan money in an appropriate way, in other words, on payroll and, and, and essential um, business expenses, and two, that they either didn't let people go, or, or if they if they did let people go during the emergency period, they brought them back um, soon afterwards. So those are that's the really the basic requirements for forgiveness. So the other expenses that you talked about last mm-hmm. time: mortgage interest, rent, utility payments, and like regular wages, including tips. Right. Regular wages count as payroll expenses that, you know, are not really the the center of all this. The the purpose of the 3P loans was to fund payroll expenses. However, Congress did allow for other kinds of essential business expenses like rent, like utility expenses and things like that to be covered with PPP funding. The kicker is that the maximum amount that a business can spend on these other uh, non-payroll expenses um, is 25% of the 3P loan. So and that is a key component of the of the forgiveness aspect of it, again, is that you have to you have to be able to certify that no more than 25% of the amount you are asking uh, to be forgiven from repaying was for non-payroll expenses. Again, like rent, utilities, you know, mortgage interest, those sorts of things. So you had said earlier that if an employer reduces its headcount during this emergency period and doesn't restore it really quickly afterwards. Soon afterwards, right. Then it would risk losing part of its loan forgiveness. So it's not an all or nothing thing. It's is it prorated? It's it's not all or nothing, right? It's it's it, it's prorated basically. Got yeah. it. Okay, so you 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 talked about before that the loan matured in two years, so mm-hmm. it was due in two years, right? 
But it sounded like there's some automatic forgiveness. What does an employer have to do to get its loan forgiven? Right. Well, like with any good government program, there's an application process for it. The borrower has to test to and substantiate its payroll and other eligible costs during the emergency period. So again, has to say, these were our payroll expenses during the emergency period. This is what we spent on other essential costs, again, rent, utilities, things like that, again, during the emergency period. And there's an application process like with the 3P loan application process itself, borrowers, when they apply for forgiveness, they do so through their lenders, which as we said last time, is their regular bank or financial institution that they do business with. So they apply for forgiveness through them, but the SBA itself issued a form on that recently. That form was issued on on May 15th, again, by the SBA. Um, It looks actually a lot like a tax form. I mean, I, I review tax forms quite quite frequently in my practice. And so, you know, I'm familiar with their layout and general purpose. Forgiveness form has different sections where um, the borrower provides basic information about the business and what it did during the emergency period. There's a section, I mean, the, the most important section is where the borrower calculates its eligible costs, the payroll and uh, eligible non-payroll costs. And then finally, there are some requirements, some schedules that have to be included with the forgiveness application that include information supporting those calculations. So again, a very similar format as a is a tax return where there's information section, uh, a numbers section, if you will, where there's calculations and so forth made, and then finally uh, substantiation. So you've got to you got to say it, then you got to prove it. So, <laughs> got to say it, and then you got to prove it exactly. <laughs> so when you saw the form, was there any surprises on the application form for forgiveness? Yeah, yeah, yes and no. You know, again, I kind of expected it to to take the form that it did, sort of the quasi or reminiscent of tax return form than it did. I certainly wasn't surprised that borrowers were required to test or certify their employee headcounts during the emergency period. And I wasn't surprised that there you know, was substantiation required. And the, the particular substantiation required things like bank statements, tax forms, you know, receipts for expenses, third-party payroll records, et cetera. I mean, that's, that's kind of what, you know, we expected, we, the business law community, expected to see um, for substantiation. But there were, in, in terms of surprises or, or things that we were pleasantly surprised to see, there were some important questions that the form answered that really started when the loan program itself was enacted. And um, those questions were you know, debated in, in you know, business law and financial community. And I'll just run through a, a couple of them, a couple of the kind of burning questions. One, there was the question of if an employer's uh, employee headcount, you know, decreases during the emergency period, and it's because employees resign, or get fired for cause, or, you know, you offer to rehire them in good faith, and they say no, will those kinds of events hurt the employer's forgiveness um, prospects? And the answer is no. And the the form uh, clarified that. So again, if an employee voluntarily resigns, if they're terminated for cause, or if they refuse an, an offer to rehire that you make in good faith, you don't have to count those employees as diminishing or decreasing your headcount. So that was one issue. Uh, the second had to do with rent expenses. And the question was, okay, well, you know, typically you think of rent as being only on real property. So 
office space that you're in or land or whatever. But real estate is considered, you know, typically what comes to mind when you think of rent. And so the question arose, well, what if, you know, what if I rent equipment, let's say, or what if I rent personal property like vehicles, let's say, as part of my business? Well, rent payments I make on personal property count as rent and the the forgiveness form answered that yes, yes, rent that you pay on per or that a business pays on personal property counts as rent as well. Uh, finally, in 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 kind of the same vein, looking at at mortgage interest, you know, is is mortgage interest only interest that you pay on real property? that a business is buying, or does that include payments of interest for purchases of personal property, again, machinery, equipment, things like that? And the answer is also yes on that score. Mortgage interest includes interest amounts paid on loans to acquire personal property used in a business. So equipment, machinery, vehicles, things like that. So those were really significant clarifications that the business community welcomed, but they, again, were not fully clarified until the forgiveness application form was issued uh, on May 15th. Well, it sounds like those are all things that allow businesses to continue running in their general course and just like businesses do. Correct. Those were those are considered to be very business-friendly clarifications. All right. So forgiveness of loans sounds fantastic. It yep. sounds like free money. However, <laughs> we all know that sometimes- No such thing as free money, right? Right? No. When a loan's forgiven, there could be some negative tax consequences. Does oh, yes. that apply here with the PPP loans? Yeah. And, and just by way of background, I mean, if you think of how a balance sheet is uh, looks for, you know, for a business or a personal balance sheet for that matter, where you have assets on the left-hand side, liabilities on the right-hand side, you know, you total up both sides, net the two together, and you know that's either your your net worth or your net deficit, if you will. You know, on the right hand side, of course, liabilities. You know, thinking of it kind of melding you know income tax principles with accounting principles. If you take something away, if you take a liability away on the right hand side of the balance sheet, liabilities go down, net worth goes up. Your your value or a business's value um, increases in that instance. And what the income tax code provides generally is. Anytime that happens, anytime there's a forgiveness of indebtedness or cancellation of indebtedness to use the tax term, that is generally a taxable event for income tax purposes. So whatever the amount of that forgiven debt is, if it's $50,000, $100,000, the amount of that forgiven debt is considered to be taxable income. Now, there's exceptions to that if a business is in bankruptcy or something like that, um, or is insolvent, um, some other exceptions, that income tax event does not happen. But, you know, when the 3P program was announced and when the forgiveness component of it was announced, that, of course, was one of the first questions that was asked. If I have a 3P loan forgiven, will I have to pay income tax on the amount of that indebtedness that's, that's forgiven? And the CARES Act, which is the act that authorized the 3P program, says no, that is not a taxable event, at least at the federal level. That is not a taxable event when if you have a 3P loan, you apply for forgiveness, forgiveness is granted. Under federal law, that is not taxable income. Now, as you know, a lot of most states, all but a few states, impose some kind of income tax. In most states, when their income tax codes are tied to the federal code, so something that is or is not considered to be taxable income for federal purposes generally is or is not considered to be taxable income for state income tax purposes. States have a real problem here because 
you know, they're they're hurting budget-wise and, and otherwise from the coronavirus pandemic. And they, because of this aspect of the 3P loan program and the fact that the forgiveness is not taxable at the federal level, states are concerned that, well, gee, um, we run the risk of some serious, you know, budget deficits or making what are already going to be pretty bad budget deficits worse because we're losing out on um, this taxable income. And so states are kind of deciding case by case what they want to do. North Carolina, at least as of today, has has said that, uh, or there's legislation that's been introduced that would say that a 3P loan that is forgiven will be taxable for North Carolina income tax purposes. That's That's the trend our General Assembly appears to be going towards right now is that they will be, they will tax 3P loan forgiveness, but that is not um, that has not been uh, formally decided yet. I would I would expect they're going to continue in that direction, um, but right now we don't we don't know. They're certainly again leaning in that direction, and uh, some states have come out and said yes, we're we're definitely going to tax it. And I certainly expect um, North Carolina, if they do decide to tax 3P loan forgiveness, to be in the majority. Gene. The whole time you've been talking, I have been thinking about the dreaded five-letter word that comes with all taxes. <laughs> audit. Yes. Are PPP borrowers at risk of being audited? Yes. So that is a word. Anytime you think of tax forms and taxes in the IRS, State Departments of Revenue, audit is always something that comes to mind. There is some risk of audit if a business applies for 3P loan forgiveness, but that risk is minimal if the amount of the 3P loan um, is less than um, $2 million. I'll get into a little bit of detail on this. Um, So one of the key requirements of the 3P loan system, the 3P loan facility, is that a borrower must certify its economic need for the loan. In other words, a borrower has to say, and they have to do this at the time they make the application for the loan, not not the application for forgiveness, the application for the actual loan itself. The borrower has to certify that they are eligible for 3P loan funding because they have no other significant source of liquidity available. They don't they don't have just money sitting around that they can draw from to pay payroll expenses and other necessary expenses during the emergency period. They need the 3P loan funding to pay those expenses. Um, On April 28th of this year, Steve Mnuchin, our Treasury Secretary, announced during a press conference that any company taking out more than $2 million in PPP loans would be audited to verify this certification of economic needs. So in other words, they would they would automatically be audited to substantiate that they had the economic need. In other words, that they had no other liquidity available to them. So what did that announcement lead to? What did that what question did that raise in people's minds? Well it raised the question of what about 3P loans of less than two million dollars? So on May 13th, a couple of weeks after uh, Secretary Mnuchin's press conference, the Small Business Administration, uh, which is part of the Treasury Department, established um, a safe harbor for borrowers that receive 3P loans with an original principal amount of less than $2 million. And what this safe 
Farber says is that those borrowers um, are going to be deemed to have met um, that certification requirement or, or deemed to have made that certification um, in good faith. And that will substantially reduce the possibility that, that those businesses will be audited. So that doesn't drive the risk down to zero, but it reduces it substantially. Now, you know, it's, it's still an open question of, well, gee, are you going to automatically be audited if you take out more than $2 million of 3P loan funding? The, the safe harbor doesn't address that. It's very clear to only apply to you know, loans of less than $2 million. But again, the Small Business Administration tried to address that open question of regarding audits. So what happens if a borrower didn't meet economic necessity when it was audited or when it's applying for this? What's the consequence? Yeah, the, the consequence is they're, they're going to have to repay the loan. At 1%. At 1%. And, you know, under the, the normal maturity rules, which as we said last time is, you know, two years, the SBA isn't going to ask for more than that. But basically, the SBA is going to say, you know, no, your your loan is not forgiven. You still have to repay it. But it's under the um, it's under the normal repayment terms. Is there is that an all or nothing rule? Or, or can that be prorated? Like if you took out 1.9 million and you found out you really the only need was for 1.4? Oh yes, and that goes to the to the forgiveness amount. So you take out 1.9 million, and the audit reveals that only 1.4 um, was necessary. Then your forgiveness is limited to 1.4. Forgiveness is not an all or nothing proposition. So if you are are entitled to forgiveness for anything that you're able to document that you're entitled, right? So it's for. the same if you had the 25 percent layoff, you'd still it'd still get prorated. Correct. For what you had to pay back for the forgiveness portion. Correct. Got it. Correct. Correct. So is that it? Is a borrower subject to any other penalties or other kind of enforcement actions if they didn't meet economic necessity? They they are not as long as they timely repay their loan after they're notified that they didn't meet the the economic necessity requirement. So again, take out your 3P loan, you apply for forgiveness, get audited in some manner, and the SBA determines that you, you didn't meet the economic necessity requirement. Again, the, the consequences are limited to you having to repay the loan. You are not, there's no penalties, there's no additional interest charges or anything like that. Also, when the safe harbor that I mentioned a few minutes ago was established, the SBA said that it would not pursue admin, its own in, administrative enforcement and would also not refer a, a, a borrower to other agencies based on that determination. So they're not going to refer you to the IRS or another federal agency if they come back and say you didn't meet the, the economic necessity requirement. Other key thing they said in connection with, with the safe harbor is that if you are determined not to have met the economic necessity requirement, it doesn't affect the SBA's guarantee, the SBA's guarantee of the loan. So, you know, that that would apply or that would be relevant if there was a default at some point, you know, the SBA is still going to guarantee a loan even if you are determined not to have met the economic necessity requirement. Gene, I've learned so much from you during this one. Um, looks like we're running out of time. Okay. Anything else you want to say or tell me who business owners can talk to if they want to find out more about these PPP loans? Yeah, they can they can talk to me. Um, again, I'm with the business law section here at Smith Debnam. My number, my phone number is 919-250-2231. My email address is eshanelli, that's E 
C-H-I-A-N-E-L-L-I at smithdebnamlaw.com. And I'd be happy to talk to you and walk you through the uh, 3P loan process. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you. Enjoyed it. Bye-bye.